Hello, this is Pastor Ken from Alabaster House, and you're listening to the Alabaster House podcast. It's our desire to see every believer equipped with the tools for living and expressing the kingdom of God in the world around them. Be sure to join us online at alabasterhousechurch.com. You can find us at Alabaster House PA on Facebook. And be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Also, leave a review if you can. This helps us out in the ratings. We greatly appreciate you listening, and we trust that you will be encouraged and equipped by the Word of God today. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. The author of Hebrews says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Let us continually everybody say continually does that mean that we ever stop does that mean that we have a choice to not do it no it's like when Paul said rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice always so always rejoicing continually offering a sacrifice of praise the fruit which is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name and how many of you know that we do sometimes weekly, sometimes daily experience things in our life that it's easy to not offer thanks for. I have learned that regardless in every situation that you're in, there is the opportunity to both be thankful and unthankful at the very same time. And oftentimes it depends on the attitude of your heart. And can I say this, in reality, it depends on the way that you have allowed your mind to be trained to think. Do you know that many Christians who have a negative attitude don't even know that they have a negative attitude? Many believers who have an unthankful heart don't even know that their heart is unthankful. Isn't it amazing that your mouth is about one inch away from your mouth? And you have to have... Your mouth is about one inch away from your nose. Did I say that right? Yeah, I I got it now. I did mess up. My wife corrected me. Your mouth is about one inch away from your nose. And you need someone else to tell you when you have bad breath. And can I say it's the same applies to our heart sometimes? That we don't even know that we have a negative spirit. We don't even know that we have an ungrateful spirit. And it takes usually someone else to bring correction. Listen, yes, the Holy Spirit does correct us. But can we say that we actually need each other in our lives? Now, if you have a person in your life who's always correcting you, (laughs) maybe they have a problem and they need corrected. But correction is a good thing. In fact, the Bible says don't despise correction. The Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. And criticalness, negative thinking, ungratefulness in the heart of a believer will actually be detrimental to their life. 
And oftentimes we need someone in our life who can come to us and say, hey, you're really negative. You really complain a lot. (laughs) You're really ungrateful. You're really unthankful. Now, I don't suggest that person being your spouse. But I would say that all of us need someone in our life who can come and expose things to us in our hearts that maybe we're not aware of. It's like the old adage, is the glass half full or half empty? Well, how many of you know that as believers in Christ, the glass is always full? It's neither half full or half empty. It is full. And it's not just full, but it is overflowing with the blessings of God. So when you look at the situations in your life, don't look at it as though the glass is half full or half empty. Look at it as though every opportunity presents an opportunity for God's glory to come and invade that situation and for the overflowing power of God to be presented into that situation. Now, I won't tell you my whole buck story because that's not why we're here today. Let me just give you an illustration. I don't know why, but every year I decide to torture myself by staying at the hunting camp with Krista's brother. He's not here to defend himself, but I will tell you it is torture. It's either hot or cold. There's no in between. There's a wood stove in a room. The whole thing would fit into this room. It's tiny. Wood stove. It's cold outside. It's very poorly insulated. And you got to get the fire going to get it warm. And then once the fire keeps going, it gets hot. And then the fire goes out about 3.30 in the morning, and it's freezing. On top of that, there is no sound other than the sounds that are coming from the activity of the room, which includes snoring. It includes uh, Zion's rubber air mattress rubbing on a piece of wood that it was laying on, which was above my head all night long because he was uncomfortable. Now, I am, I'm a very light sleeper. You can ask Krista. I wake up at the anything. Crickets can wake me up. And so we went to bed about 10 o'clock, and I had earplugs in, and I heard the constant rubbing, and I heard the constant snoring, and I heard every other noise it was coming from this place, and it was hot, hotter than Hades, hot. And then at about 3.30 in the morning, I woke up, my face was freezing, I was freezing, I was cold, constant noise, I was tired, I didn't sleep, and I finally said at 3.30, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to fix the fire, I'm going to fix Zion's air mattress, I'm going to get another hour of sleep. Well, everything in this place makes a noise, and there's kids there, and so I go to open the door. It squeaks the whole way open. The little thing on the fireplace squeaks when I open it. You can't be quiet, and everybody wakes up at 3.30 in the morning. And Chris's brother said, well, we're all up. We might as well make breakfast. (laughs) And I was tired. I don't like being tired. Believe me. So make breakfast coffee that was stronger than molasses, go to our hunting stands at six o'clock in the morning, I'm tired, I'm sitting there, I'm tired, I want to go to sleep, and then we see deer up on top of the hill, and long story short, one comes, and I hit it, 
It was near perfect shot, by the way. I just want to throw that out there, just so you know. <clears throat> I can't tell you the whole story. I don't have time. But the point is, is that in that situation, I could have been sitting there unthankful. I'm tired. I'm uncomfortable. I'm not happy. It's cold outside. I've been cold all night. Are you with me? And this scenario actually applies to every scenario that we go through in our lives. And you can say, well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, the fact is, is that everybody in this room has been through something. Everyone. Some worse than others, and we don't have the time or capacity to compare stories to stories. But every story within every story has the opportunity to both either be thankful or unthankful at the same time. And do you know after I shot that thing, because it was right at break, day of break, uh, daybreak, I realized that if we wouldn't have been in our stand early, as early as we were, we probably wouldn't have seen that deer. And not only that, but Jesse, my wife was interceding for me all night long. From the time I left, inter intercession happened. Jesse woke up at 7.15 in the morning. I'm sure some of you were interceding for me too. He prayed at 7.15. I shot the deer at 7.30. People were praying for me. <laughs> Lord, let Pastor Ken get that deer, please, so Ryan Bastos can't give him a hard time. <laughs> I was going to show you a picture of it today, but I'm waiting until Ryan comes, because my buck was bigger than his, by the way. But in every situation, there's the opportunity to both be thankful and unthankful at the same time. Regardless of what it is, it has nothing to do with hunting, the situations of your life, what you go through, the work difficulties that you have. Well, be thankful that you have a job. I was thinking this morning when I got up this morning, our sink was full of dishes and because you know, the kids were gone all day yesterday and chores didn't get done. And I was sitting there getting the coffee ready in the morning. I was looking down at those dishes and I was like, oh, you know, this sink's full of dishes. And immediately my mind went to Guyana, South America, when we used to go down there years ago. And I remember the pastor that we worked with. And all of a sudden I thought about his kitchen, which is made of two by fours and plywood. And the pots and pans that he has. So, I mean, some of them are made out of tin cans, or at least were back then. And here I am sitting in front of dishes that someone else can't even afford. Are you with me? In every situation, you have the ability to be thankful or unthankful at the very same time. I heard once of a military wife, and before her husband was deployed, she would get on to him about leaving his socks and underwear. On the floor. Any ladies here with me on that one? We're, I'm being trained. And I'm getting better as the years go by. 20 years. I'm about a C average. 20 more. I'll be a B plus. I promise. But her husband would come in. Throw stuff on the floor. You know. And she'd get after him. Well as after he was deployed. He was actually killed in action. And do you know the one thing that she missed more than anything else? And she even said, I would give anything, anything to walk into the bedroom and see something laying on the floor. See, it's the position of our heart. 
It's our perception. It's the way that we've been trained to think. And this is why the Bible time and time again instructs us about thanksgiving, instructs us about a sacrifice of praise. Come on, all of us can praise God when we shoot the eight-point buck. God, thank you. This is amazing. Not too many people thank God when they miss. All of us are on the mountaintop when we win the game or when we succeed at something or when something goes our way and we, you know, we type on Facebook, God, thank you for blessing me. Get a new car, whatever, new house. God, thank you for this blessing. But nobody's ever thanking God for blessing them with a hard time. And do you know that the Bible actually says that trials produce character in you? Character produces hope. The trial doesn't come from God, but God goes with you through the trial in order to produce something inside of you. But depending on the position of your heart in the trial is where you're going to end up when you come through the valley of the shadow of death, just as we read. David begins that by saying, yay, though I walk, yippee. Now, that's not the Hebrew word, but we'll just translate it that way. There's the valley of death. Yes, let's do it. Let's go. None of us are there. We don't do we don't look at the valley and say, yes, I can't wait for this thing. But what's on the other side of the valley? It's the table that the Lord is preparing for you in the presence of your enemies. And David says, surely his goodness and his mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. As I walk through this valley, I know that God is with me. Your staff is comforting me. It's leading me. You're going to lead me beside the still waters. But here's this thing in front of me. But yet, though I'm going to go through this, I'm still going to remain thankful for what you're producing in me and what I'm going to receive on the other side of this valley. See, it's perception. It's the way that we perceive things, the way that we think. It's a sacrifice of praise, which is actually praising God in the difficult and hard times. It's a continual thanksgiving. God, I don't know why this came. I don't understand why this is here, but I thank you that you are good, that your mercy endures forever, that you are the God of miracles, that you are the God of all power and authority, and that you've given me authority on the earth. And you just begin to declare the goodness of God into that situation, that circumstance, and see what God will do. It's interesting to me, it's, it's fascinating. The Israelites are on their way to the promised land. God delivers them from Pharaoh, delivers them from slavery in Egypt. And if you know anything about that story, you know that the one thing that kept them from going into the promised land was their persistent grumbling. Unthankful. Unthankful. They were in slavery for over 200 years. God supernaturally releases them from Pharaoh. And when they leave Egypt, the Bible says they plundered them. They took with them all of their gold and all of their silver. They actually left Egypt rich. But they got to go through this wilderness. And the entire time they're in the wilderness, what do they do? They complain. God makes a cloud by day to cover them from the heat of the sun in the desert. And he makes a pillar of fire at night to protect them from the freezing cold. The Bible says that their clothes actually grew with them. How many of you parents would like that for your children? God, just let their clothes grow with them. 
Their clothes grew with them. They had need of nothing. God fed them. God provided water supernaturally. But over and over and over and over again, they complained. They murmured. We don't like this manna. We don't like this water. We don't like Moses. We don't like this. We want meat. I love that story about the quail. You got to read it. We want meat. You know what God said? I'm going to give you meat until it runs out of your nose. <laughs> See, don't make God mad. He's a, good, he's a good dad. He knows how to parent people. And he will give you meat till it runs out of your nose if you complain. But listen to what Psalm 78 and verse 40 says about the children of Israel in the wilderness. It says, God worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. Turned their rivers into blood and their streams that they could not drink. He sent swarms of flies among them which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to the caterpillar and their labor to the locusts. I've missed it. In verse 40 says, How often they provoked him in the wilderness, look at this, and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God, look at this, and limited the Holy One of Israel. Is God in Himself limited? Never. But you, the children of Israel, we have the capacity of limiting the activity of God in our lives. It's right here in our face. Come on, God wants to pour out blessing. God wants to pour out healing. God wants to do things great and mighty in our lives but just like the children of Israel God does something for us he frees us he gives us deliverance he gives us whatever and then we find ourselves in a place of ungratefulness unthankfulness and it actually limits not God but the activity of God in our hearts and in our lives for God to bring us to a place of greater greatness a greater level a greater place I want to say that this church in large was built and being built on thankfulness. When you start with nothing, nothing. We had an amplifier and a guitar. That was it. And you're in the back of a smoke filled bar room. Singing praises to God and thanking him. And then you move to a little bigger location and you sing praises to God and you thank him. And you move to a really big location and you praise God and you thank him. And then that location in itself begins to get smaller and smaller. But you're thanking him. God, thank you for what you did here. Thank you for what you did there. Thank you for sending money in the mail. Thank you for providing. Thank you for gathering groups of people together. Thank you for enlarging. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the healings. Thank you for the salvations. Thank you for the deliverances that have taken place and are going to take place. It's remaining in a place of thankfulness before the Lord. God, we cannot do this on our own, nor do we ever want to do it on our, on our own. We want to do it with you. We want to co-labor with you. And it's not just about building the church. It's about building your life. You can do a whole lot of stuff on your own, I promise you. And you can even give God some credit for it. But the fact of the matter is, God wants to co-labor with you. 
and the greater position of your heart that's, that's seated in thankfulness, the greater things God will do for you. Continual thanksgiving. The sacrifice of praise. And just as I quoted to you this morning, at the beginning of the service, Psalms 100 and verse 1 says, Make a jo joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And then it says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And into His courts with praise. Be thankful for Him to him and bless the Lord for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. His truth endures all generations. My own personal interpretation of this scripture is that we can't even get past the gates without thanksgiving. We can't get into his courts without praise. If the children of Israel limited God with their ungratefulness and unthankfulness, then what are we restricting ourselves from when we have the same mindset or the same heart as they did? And see, we live in a society of entitlement. Even in church, everybody thinks we're entitled to something. Listen, the only thing that you're entitled to is to give your life to Jesus, to surrender it to Him, and allow Him to begin to produce the goodness of God through you and in you. Are you with me? It's true. That's all you're entitled to. God, take this life. Take this heart. Take this mind. Take all of me and begin to transform it. Begin to change me. Begin to change the way I think. Begin to change the way that I feel. Begin to change the way that I perceive. And do you know that when you do that, you become less and less and less entitled? Because you begin to be thankful for what God's done in your life and what he's producing in you and producing through you. And it doesn't become about entitlement. It becomes about surrender. Enter into his courts with praise. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. The way that I interpret this is that we can't even get through the gate without thankfulness in our heart. Yes, the omnipresence of God is everywhere. How many of you know that? But do you know that Jesus said, I will manifest myself to those that love me? There's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifested presence of God. God is everywhere. And the New Testament says that we are the living stones. We are, being building, we are building a house that actually houses the presence and the glory of God. And as we come into this place with thankfulness, thanksgiving into our, in our hearts, we're actually carrying the presence of God with us and inviting the presence of God to come and manifest itself among us. Can I tell you something that I've learned about Sunday morning church? Is that all of us carry something into this room. And every one of us, every one of us have the ability to affect the atmosphere. And I've seen it affected. I'm not just talking about here. And to be honest, I've affected it myself. 
Come on, I know you think I'm holy seven days out of the week. And I do try to be. Most of the time, I'm okay at it. But you come in here, you know, whatever. Week goes crazy. Homeschooling goes crazy. Lord, help us. You're tired. You just want to go home and take a nap. Listen, I've been there. I understand. You come in hungry. I know. But when we understand the responsibility that we have of actually carrying the presence of God into this place with us, of actually cultivating an atmosphere where the presence of God can be manifested, where the presence of God is manifested, when we understand that our negative mindsets and our ungratefulness and our unthankfulness actually affect the entire atmosphere, then we understand the weight and the burden that we're carrying of, the, of offering God the sacrifice of praise of continually being thankful to the Lord. Because it's necessary. It's necessary, not just for the presence of God, but it's necessary for you to receive from the presence of God when He shows up. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving. I will enter His courts with praise. Psalms 95 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms, for the Lord is the great God. Enter His courts with thanksgiving. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. Let us come before the Lord, the presence of the Lord, with thanksgiving. And what I'm simply trying to show you is that the condition of your heart actually sets the atmosphere for you to enter into the presence of the Lord. And it also sets the atmosphere for the presence of the Lord to enter in to your atmosphere. Because there is actually power. There is power. There is supernatural power Hidden in thanksgiving. You remember the ten lepers from Luke chapter 17? You know the story. But the ten lepers come, they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So Jesus looks at them and all he says is, go show yourself to the priest, which was what was necessary for lepers to be declared cleansed. And it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. I mean, you know, this is a miracle. I mean, that's miraculous. As they go to the priests, I don't know if it happened instantly. I don't know if with every step the leprosy begins to disappear. But as they're going to the priest, before they even arrive at the house of God, they are completely cleansed. Their skin is completely healed. And in verse 15, it says one of them. One out of nine. When he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus says, weren't there ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were not any found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And I want to point out something to you. Jesus looks at this man and he says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. 
I want to propose to you that this one man received something more than what the other nine did. Because of the posture of his heart. His, their lives were radically changed. You understand? Completely different. In just a moment's time, healing comes, deliverance comes, salvation comes. And only one of them out of nine comes and says, thank you, Jesus. I give glory to God for this miracle. And Jesus looks at this one person and says, your faith has made you whole. Because how many of you know there is a great difference between healing and wholeness? Not only was this man cleansed on the outside, but wholeness tells us that he was cleansed on the inside as well. This man received not a greater miracle, but a, a, a greatness, the full package of the miracle of healing. Because of thankfulness, because of thanksgiving. In Psalms 107, in verse 21, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. It's not much different than the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. That when we're going through situations we don't understand. We're still giving thanks to God. Because we can trust in him that he's going to turn all things to the good of those that serve him. Love him. And are called according to his name. Come on. God is for you. He's not against you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? And there is always reason to give thanks to God, regardless of what we're going through. Now, I know it's an easy thing to preach this, and you don't understand the weight that sometimes preachers carry, because I know that by preaching this, there's gonna, there could, may, come a time in the future where I have to practice what I'm preaching. And my lovely wife, who is so spiritual, will remind me. And there's a lot of things I'm there's a lot of things in my life I can be unthankful for. I don't have the best of everything. I don't have my boat. I had a camper, we talked about that, and that's dead and gone. And all of us in this room have things that we don't have that we want. And it's not always just about wants. It's not always just about material things. Even in my own body, my own personal being, there's things that I am desiring God to touch me in and do things. Even in this place, you know, we could look around and we could say, well, we're not the biggest church in Huntington. We don't have the best of this and we don't have the best of that. Even this building, which was a great blessing, but can I tell you, it requires a lot of work. A lot of work. And I could walk through the halls and I could look at the mess in the back and I could be unthankful. Even though God himself blessed us with this place. Could walk around and say, God, look at this roof. God, look at this stuff and look at that stuff. But when you turn your heart to thankfulness, you don't look at what you don't have. You look at the opportunities for God to come and invade that situation. 
to fix things, to bring people, to bring finances, to bring funds, and to bring blessing. Let me show you one more thing from Luke chapter 9 and verse 13. This is the fishes and the loaves. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we're out here in the wilderness. We don't have any food. And I love what Jesus says to them in verse 13. He says, you give them something to eat. And Jesus was always setting up his disciples. They didn't know it. But there's always a setup for them to get involved in the activity of God. But their mindset and the way that they think and their, the reasoning of their hearts prevents them from co-laboring with God in the supernatural. And his disciples say to him, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy some food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. How many of you know that in every church there's always more women than men? They only counted the men. There was women and children in that crowd of men. And so it says feeding the 5,000, but in reality, it could have been three times that amount. But with Jesus, it doesn't matter. You give them something to eat. Well, we only have a few fish and we only have a few loaves, Jesus. What are we supposed to do? And can I tell you that what the Bible doesn't tell you is that the answer was actually be thankful. Be thankful that you only have five fish and five loaves. In fact, be thankful for what you don't have because God's going to take what you have and He's going to multiply it and He's actually going to make it more than enough. More than enough. See, God doesn't just, uh, God doesn't just give enough. He always gives more than enough. But the more comes through the position of your heart and thankfulness. And you can say, well, how does thankfulness apply to this story? Well, they give the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. And it says Jesus looked up to heaven. The New King James says that he blessed it. But the King James Version says, and he gave thanks. What did he give thanks for? Five fish, five loaves for 15,000 people. Thank you, God. For providing. But it's not enough, Jesus. Thank you, God, for providing. But it's just a small amount. Thank you, God, for providing. And then the miracle happens when Jesus begins to break the fish, break the loaves, bring me as many baskets as you can find. And he's breaking and he continues to break and he never runs out. And everyone was fed and they even go home with more. Because that's how the power of God intervenes in our life through the position of thankfulness. So see, no matter what situation you're in, you can always be thankful. It's understanding that God has the ability to come and invade our situation through the position of thankfulness. You can always look at what you don't have, what you're lacking, 
or you can look at it as though it is a position, a opportunity for God to come and do something mighty and miraculous and multiply what you didn't have and make it more than enough. Let me just read one last scripture and then I'm done. Proverbs chapter 18. You know this scripture, I'm sure. Verse number 20. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. But the produce of his lips, from the, pro, from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. And then it goes on to say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. This is why I said at the beginning... That thankfulness, unthankfulness determines your destination in the circumstance. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And those who love it will eat, their, eat the fruit of it. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. What are you filling your mouth with? What are you speaking over your life? What are you saying when negative circumstances come? Because do you know that you can actually create a situation and make it worse than it already was? Because you're going to eat from the fruit of your lips. We know a minister, his name is Rodney Hogue. He says that complaining is the worship language of hell. And if complaining is the worship language of hell, then thankfulness is the worship language of heaven. And in reality, when we complain, it actually blocks the goodness of God from intervening in our situations. See, we always, we always, God is always good. God is always good. How many of you know that? And God wants good things for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to touch you. God wants to multiply. God wants to enlarge. But what the Bible tells us is that we also have a responsibility in receiving from the Lord. And one of those great responsibilities is the things that we speak. You can destroy your marriage, you can destroy relationships. You can destroy your occupation, your career. You can destroy your life by what you speak. Power of life and death is in the tongue. This is why the Bible says we give the sacrifice of praise. We give the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Because sometimes it is a sacrifice. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes it doesn't look like we have anything to be thankful for. But I love what Hebrews said when we first read it there. It said, remember. There's a word about remember. And whenever I get into a situation where I feel like I'm beginning to be unthankful or ungrateful, the one thing that I determine to do is just begin to remember. I need healing in my body. Well, I can remember when the Lord touched me back here. 
I need a miracle. Well, I can remember the miracle that the Lord did over here. I need freedom. I need peace. Well, I can remember when the Lord brought me freedom and brought me peace here. And by remembering, then I can be thankful for what God did here, even though I'm here. And what I'm doing is I'm going to bring the activity of God that existed over here through thankfulness right into my situation now. God, I thank you for what you did three years ago. And I know if you did it then, you can do it now. You can do it again. So I'm thanking you, even though this situation is difficult and it's hard. I'm thanking you that in this situation, I can trust in you because I know that what you did then, you'll do now. This is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is the sacrifice of praise. And according to Hebrews, it is to be continually on our lips. Do you know how much happier we would be if we just thought when we're in those places of depression, when we're in those places of feeling down, when we just begin to think about all of the good things that God's done in our life, where he's brought us from, what he's blessed us with. I'm telling you today, it's all about perception. It's all about the way that you think. Will you stand? Let's pray. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I'm thanking you today, even though I don't have it. I'm thanking you right now for my pontoon boat with the 115 horsepower engine. <clears throat> Bigger? I should. Don't limit God, see? Don't limit God, the fruit of your lips. I know it's a simple message, but it's so important. It's actually so profound to our lives. It is so simple, but yet it impacts us in such a powerful way. Some of us carry stress and worry and anxiety. And it's simply because our mind and our heart's just not thinking on the right things. I believe I fully believe that a lot of the illnesses, not all, but a lot of the things that we go through as believers, you heard me say not all, right? But a lot of the illnesses, the things that happen to us in our bodies, even medical science will tell you that stress and anxiety, it has an effect on us. This is why the Bible says that laughter is as a medicine. We would just change our perspectives and change the way that we think about things. I don't even know that God would have to miraculously heal us. That the Bible is just true and all of its promises are true. That there's something about a merry heart that is like a medicine. And I believe that it actually begins with thankfulness. Being thankful for what the Lord has done. Being thankful for what the Lord is going to do. Being thankful for what we have not received yet. But determining in our hearts to be thankful for it. Even before we receive it. 
So, Father, we do thank you today. We do bless you, God. Lord, I'm thankful today for what you've done in my life. Lord, even when times were difficult, when I didn't think I would make it, you were faithful. You brought healing. You brought deliverance. Because you are good. And Lord, I pray that each person in this room would have an experience with you. Lord, that it would be like a monument in their life. Something they can look back on and reference. God, you touched me here. You did this for me. You healed me. You saved me. You delivered me. And I thank you, God, that if you did it then, you'll do it now. God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would train us how to be thankful. That you would train us how to think according to the pattern of heaven. Lord, that you would put a guard on our mouth, even a guard on our hearts. Lord, that the words that we say we would understand how powerful and effective they are. Let no corrupt words proceed out of our mouth, but what is necessary for edification, building up, life-giving words, life-altering words. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we just practice this for a moment? I know, I know there's situations in this room right now I know that there's things that you're going through. But I want you to just think of a time where God came through, a time where God blessed you, a time where God touched you. Maybe it was a prayer that was answered. It was just a time where God was faithful. But I just want you to begin to think on that thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I remember a time we were getting ready to leave for Illinois and Ethan was sick. Chris and I went into the living room and prayed. The presence of God came. Ethan woke up in the morning completely fine. Just a moment like that. Just begin to think on those things. I just want you to begin to thank God for that specific instance. God, we thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for touching us then. Thank you for bringing that thing into our lives. Just give him thanks. Thank you, Father. We thank you today for your goodness, your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now just bring that thankfulness into your present situation. God, if you did it then, you'll do it now. God, if you did it then, you'll do it now. And you'll do it even greater. Even more. You'll do it even more, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your healing touch. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your protection, God. 
you protected me then, you'll protect me now. If you didn't let me fall then, you won't let me fall now. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Would you just put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you? I want us to just take a moment and pray for each other today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin to bless them and and just begin to thank God for his goodness being exposed in their life. That the goodness of God would be on them. The goodness of God would come through them. The goodness of God would be manifested through their lives. We thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for this body. We thank you for these men. Thank you for these women. We thank you for these families. We thank you for these husbands and these wives, these marriages. Father, let your goodness come. Surely goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy will follow us all of the days of our life. Let your goodness come. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just pray this with me. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in them. What you're producing in them. I thank you for touching their bodies. Making them whole. Healing them. I thank you for deliverance. I thank you for protection. I thank you for blessing, for expanding, for enlarging their territory. I thank you for them. And I pray that your goodness and your mercy will follow them all of the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. We love you. We appreciate you. If anybody needs personal prayer today before you go, we want to pray for you. Just continue to pray for Daniel's mom, uh, for Dean. Pastor Barry, today, God is good. Amen. God bless you guys.